this is new territory. I think that it's very exciting that Bradford are particularly focused on wanting to set the bar. We want to be the first city, the first metropolitan area in the UK that has a strategy that informed a growth framework that then informed how we deliver and how we grow. And most importantly is that it's mainstreaming the sustainable development goals. And it's got to be applied at every sector across an individual right up to organisational place level. So it's quite radical and it's not it's not something we should be you know, chasing to follow others. This is setting out that we want to be the key location within the UK where you can test bed, deliver and demonstrate you can do you know, sustainable growth. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Bernadette Ballantyne. And I'm Alex Conacher. In this episode, we've partnered with WSP to discover how Bradford, the UK's youngest city by demographic spread, is embarking upon a new strategy for clean, green growth. Sitting in the east of the South Pennines, Bradford was at the heart of the Industrial Revolution. Plentiful supplies of coal, iron ore and water enabled it to create a world-class textiles industry and saw its population soar from around 13,000 in 1800 to over 100,000 50 years later as the Industrial Revolution took off. Immigrants from Germany and Ireland fuelled the growth and the number of textile mills soared. The skyline was dominated by chimneys and Bradford became known as the City of Wool. Around two-thirds of the UK's wool was processed in the city and its worsted fabric was sold all over the world. We didn't have global air travel, yet our reach was truly global on the back of the wool industry. This is Jason Longhurst. And what that actually brought, one for Yorkshire, because it really did harness and fund you know, the creation of Leeds, Harrogate, places like that. But yeah, on a global stage, Bradford, if you're there in the 1800s, would have been a name everyone was talking about. So, a real powerhouse. Jason is the new strategic director for PLACE at the City of Bradford Metropolitan District Council. So, I lead the PLACE department, which is everything from major growth right through to infrastructure, down to how we look after parks, gardens, community resilience, uh, and COVID response, obviously being a, a tough one. I'm also chair of the UK Business Council for Sustainable Development. By the mid-1900s, there were more than a thousand textile factories in the Bradford area and the population was still climbing as post-war migration saw arrivals from Pakistan, Bangladesh, India and Eastern European countries such as Poland, Latvia and Estonia. Today, the city of Bradford is a place that over 530,000 people call home. It's the gateway to the beautiful Yorkshire Dales and home to over 4,000 listed buildings, mainly Victorian structures, created in the heyday of the Industrial Revolution. It is also a city that was hit hard by deindustrialization. The export market for its products collapsed as competition from other countries grew. Bradford was no longer the wool capital of the world. Although it has diversified, creating buoyant financial services and media industries, it still has higher unemployment and poverty rates than many other cities. So the key challenges I've been set is how you build that you know, strong, sustainable economy, 
how we slightly refocused the Bradford offer. So it's about that curb appeal. It's about the investability, but also how we meet the challenges. So post-COVID environment, what would that be? At the same time, Bradford's demographic is relatively young, with a quarter of the population aged under 16, making it critical that any new strategic planning is mindful of creating new opportunities in education, skills and job creation for young people. So we've got the youngest profile in terms of young people and it will last at the moment. We can see seven years ahead on that demographic. So population size is about 26% of our population. So young people are absolutely core at what we need to do and diversity as well with Bradford. You know, it's in its DNA from its original concept when it was a world leader to the challenges it now faces. So yeah, it's harnessing that and building on it. At the same time, Jason and the council are mindful that any economic growth must also complement the low carbon transition that the UK is on. The next step, therefore, is to develop a clean growth strategy for Bradford. And for that, Jason brought in Ashley Dunseith, Head of Master Planning at WSP in the UK. So we were commissioned probably about six or seven months ago to undertake a clean growth strategy. The clean growth strategy was to interpret the national guidance on clean growth and how to turn that into a strategy for Bradford to be able to make slightly different informed decisions about how it would commission future work streams that it was considering for both development and infrastructure. Back in October 2017, the UK government produced its first ever clean growth strategy that it called a blueprint for Britain's low carbon future. The strategy predicted growth in the low carbon economy of 11% per year. And this was spread across a diverse array of sectors, from power generation and farming to electric vehicles and home energy efficiency. Following on from this in 2019, the government passed a new law, making it mandatory for the UK to bring all greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050. Meaning that it is critical that economic growth in Bradford, or anywhere in the UK, follows a different path to that of the Industrial Revolution, where fossil fuels powered growth. There is a definition provided by central government for clean growth, and it has two primary headings, which is about growing the national income and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But the fundamental third one that we think was missing in that definition and is absolutely critical is about behavioural change. So growing the economy through development. So you can define, well, what does that mean and how do you deliver that and how do you create measures and metrics to do that? You can do the same for reducing greenhouse gases, which is to make sure that the benefits of change versus doing more of the same. But then, of course, all of that is completely reliant and dependent on behavioural change. So that is a primary component of all of us as a society, as a community, as a population, however you want to describe us. Uh, if we don't all agree to buy in and sub subscribe and support those initiatives, then there will be no change. There's no point in creating a mass transit system, for example, if people refuse to give up driving. 
The trick is to make sure that the investments made and the projects built are in places where people need them and that ultimately the green offer is a better one. So in planning a new way forward, what does clean growth look like? Well, the starting point, first of all, is so what actually is clean growth? How do you define it? What, what does it mean? And then it's to look at globally, what are the other agenda that uh, we all need to buy into and to subscribe to? So, for example, in this instance, the UN Sustainable Development Goals became a criteria and therefore how we mainstream those SDGs as part of the everyday policy requirements and, and delivery requirements for development moving forward. The SDGs are 17 international goals designed as a blueprint to ensure a sustainable future for all people on the planet, addressing challenges such as inequality, poverty, education, environmental degradation and ensuring sustainable development of cities and communities. And then thirdly was to identify what does Bradford need? You know, Bradford is such an interesting place and such an interesting case because if you go back into uh, the sort of late 19th century, Bradford was at one point described as one of the uh, wealthiest cities in the world. A woolopolis of international fame. Now it no longer holds that position. And interestingly, globally, its impact is probably virtually uh, nil, uh, nationally, you know, trying to understand its context in the national picture, as well as the regional picture, and therefore, what is that baseline? What is the baseline of the place, Bradford? What does it need to be able to, to grow economically and to become a thriving community? And the thriving community defined as a region not just a city or a town. And uh, in that context, the clean growth strategy is trying to unlock those sort of three main criteria and to be able to put it into a strategic context to define what needs to happen next. So it sets the route map of what needs to happen next. It is a route map that focuses on lots of different areas, from opportunities for where future economic growth can come from to improving regional and national connectivity, providing better education and addressing social deprivation. But critically, it's viewing all of these economic and social opportunities through the lens of clean growth. So we've still got strong manufacturing base, but how does that transition when we use the words decarbonisation that could come out of the back of COP26? So we want to open up our businesses, support them to transition on things like energy efficiency, not getting caught on labels or chasing net zero, so this is beyond net zero. So clean growth is that, and I know it's again another technical throwaway, yeah, it is that donut economy, it is how things become circular, we support yeah, the industry we've got, it can transition, it can grow to being some of the innovation baseline and foundations of wider industry. And already we have that in that digital market, but it's how that can complement what we've already got. If the roadmap sets the strategy, direction and policy environment for clean growth, the next step is a series of more localised development frameworks before moving into the implementation phase where projects begin to materialise. The layers below that we've started to focus on, so we're about to go out and commission a series of development frameworks rather than master plans. 
So they all have slightly different names, but that forms a layer cake of activity. So that starts building in your, your strategic elements, your investment elements, but actually some of the practical delivery. And this is where the programme of works and investment opportunities begin to emerge. So we've got programmes, mass transit, Northern Power Rail, you've got other investment opportunities that are coming together. Bradford is the only city in the UK where there is no train through route. If you're going to take the government's announcement about decarbonisation and transport being the number one for that, that's fine, then Bradford needs a through train. So if you connect a through, you know, it's, it's the only major city I've been in, I think we're number five city in the country on population and size of the authority. We've got two trains that you have to drive in and reverse out, which is absolutely mad for the calibre cutting edge capacity. A new northern powerhouse railway station in the city would transform journey times to neighbouring cities and beyond. Manchester takes over an hour on the train, but it could be cut to 20 minutes. Leeds is only eight miles away, but it takes 20 minutes on the train. It could just be seven minutes. And by improving journey times and developing a new station, other opportunities emerge. We're working on plans and that will sit below our clean growth approach, which is to unlock an area three times the size of the Canary Wharf developments, Southern Gateway, where the new station can go and actually a low cost connection. So very quickly, we know we can de-risk Northern Power Rail. We can put a critical low cost phase in of transport connectivity, which for me, I don't like the word connectivity because this is about movement. So for Bradford, this unlocks that different dynamic at a massive, massive scale. It also provides a catalyst for investment in more public transport. So mass transit then comes into play as part of that. So that's the relationship between you know, having the new station, its distribution out into 10 minutes out, you're into Keithley, Shipley, you're into you know, touching the door of North Yorkshire. So you're into some high quality environments. And that's the shift we expect to see post-COVID, is people want that environment. I'll come into Bradford, do some business, may go out for dinner. I'm on the train, I'm back out into you know, rural location, if that's your thing. Or we enhance that city living quality. City living that is already being enhanced with Europe's largest clean air zone. Very few people know we've got the largest clean air zone coming forwards. And that's one of the most critical things. So the investment we got there, I think we're tapping on the door of 60 million pounds of not just saying, this isn't about banning cars, this is about changing a behavior. So if you've got an EV, low carbon car, absolutely welcome to Bradford and we'll encourage that infrastructure. But we're starting the transition now to that low carbon economy that starts being pushed off the back of it. This means investing in cleaner vehicles and infrastructure to support these. So we're starting to grant fund you know, things like our licensed taxis. We're investing in them to transition now to suitable vehicles. The council has got a lot of vehicles. So all of those are now having to be transitioned so they also meet the standard. So yes, that, that funding's there, but we're also looking beyond that. So we're looking at what infrastructure does that change? So we're looking at electric vehicle charge points. Have we got the right footprint district-wide? Because... A lot of the national providers at the moment think you want to go to a petrol station to charge your car. Whereas actually, I'd like to be sitting outside a restaurant for 10 minutes and charging. So we're looking at where we place and invest all of that infrastructure. So yes, it's, 
it's live, it's started, it's very active already. Another post-COVID-19 trend that the council want to encourage is the growth in digital media. Although this isn't new, COVID has seen plenty of innovation in this space. As the adage goes, necessity is the mother of invention. We have a really good council. You know, say what you want about councils. Our council really got behind artists and creatives at the start of lockdown. Tanya Vital is an actor and digital content creator who was talking to us even though she had laryngitis. When lockdown hit, she immediately asked herself how could she keep her work and those of other artists alive? Vital Culture UK was born, using Twitch to live stream performances all over the world. The very first week of lockdown, I didn't even know what Twitch was, but I follow an amazing drag artist in America and they were like, live performance is dead. I'm going to take my community and we're going to do our live performance on Twitch. So I was like, what is this Twitch? Tanya set about exploring this interactive live streaming service, which is popular for live streaming gaming, and realised that it could provide an important outlet for creative arts. And thought, I can do this for our community, I can do this for marginalised artists in our country, in our city. And no, it wasn't, um, you know, in-person audience. The artists weren't even together at the time. It wasn't easy, but there were some local resources that Tanya could call on. And I got a lot of advice from Bradford Producing Hub and Ben Pugh. And um, yeah, we've just gone from strength to strength. Getting started was made possible thanks to some investment from Bradford Council. Bradford Council kindly funded two shows where I wanted to showcase marginalised artists within the city to show that, yes, the industry's dead for now, but the artists are still here, the talent is still here, we still deserve an audience, we still deserve to support each other. And then those two shows were received so well that over a year later, we're now over 40 shows down, over 80 artists featured audiences from Bradford to Baltimore. This is the kind of reach that online platforms have. And Jason wants to see more of this. If you look at the media industry, the backroom support and small film innovation that we already do, frankly, I'd like us to be the next home of all of that support for Netflix, Google, Amazon, all of that. Actually, that's happening ground level now within Bradford, Leeds. So it's how you harness that. What we're not doing is providing the infrastructure. Tanya has lots of ideas for how to provide the infrastructure and help the city grow its media industry. There are a number of things that we can do within the city. We've got the National Science and Media Museum. That's, that's one <laughs> major opportunity there for young people. By creating exhibitions and installations to attract new audiences, for example. And when it comes to digital skills, she feels that young people have a lot of talent to offer. She also thinks there's more opportunities for the region to benefit from much of the filming that happens in the area. In 2009, the city was named a UNESCO City of Film. From the King's Speech to Brideshead Revisited, Peaky Blinders and Downton Abbey, Bradford has provided the backdrop to some of our most successful films and TV programmes. Yet this doesn't always create the benefits for the city that it could. A lot of blockbuster movies are filmed in the north, but we don't get to hear about it and we don't get to necessarily see the benefit. And I think the council needs to be really strategic in how they position themselves, you know, because they 
tender out land and office spaces or whatever for sets. And I think that um, they need to be strategic in, in saying that, yes, of course you can film on our wonderful, beautiful Ilkley Moors, but you need to employ at least this amount of local, whether it be um, catering or crew or whatever, from the local area. At the same time, local skills and education provision has to provide people with the expertise to fill these roles and those in other sectors if they are to create clean growth. And that's a challenge too. So again, we can then align skills programmes to that. We just signed off on about 1.5 million around skills targeting, which is to look at how you can train people up to those jobs and new jobs. You've got other elements which you look at differently, which is City of Culture bid. Bradford is seeking to become the UK's next City of Culture in 2025. It's basically us playing out our digital media, arts, culture, push, that we can align those sectors on a very focused opportunity. But the outcome benefits we're looking at are the legacy of that programme, which is upping our game on digital media. We're UNESCO City of Film and we haven't exploited that. If this approach works, Bradford could provide a model for clean growth for other cities. This should get us away from sort of being London-centric, so it plays to the levelling up debate. This is having powerful, smaller cities that are shaping their economies around them. It allows people to have a much better quality of life. And if you look at the impact of movement, I'm personally not missing my trips in and out of London. The thing that is really exciting about this is because it's the right thing to be doing to move the agenda forward on everything that we need to do. So for example, you know, we can look back over the last 10 years and none of, none of these themes are new news, but what is different is nobody's really delivering on any of it as a proper clean growth strategy. So there are many cities Uh, many towns and cities uh, across the UK that are all doing their bit and quite rightly so. But the thing that is exciting about this is that this is new territory because I think it is new territory. It's an evolution of uh, a a previous sort of school of thought and mindset and so on. I think that it's very exciting that Bradford are particularly focused on wanting to set the bar and they want to set the bar really high in terms of this is what we have achieved. We want to be the first city, the first metropolitan area in the UK that has a strategy that informed a growth framework that then informed how we deliver and how we grow. But before delivery can begin, the strategy has to be approved. So by having that document, we will then be looking that by November, we'll be commissioning development frameworks at a city level, at a Uh, development level and for each individual town. That's backed up by a commitment already to a skills programmes to start aligning to those potential jobs. The clean air zone is already in place and will be developing over the next seven years. So that's locked into the system. We have a sustainable development partnership of private sector. So they have a, a shopping list reflected in that document of 10 key sustainability programs that we're looking at so hydrogen from waste food uh, a new sustainable approach for our waste management as a council hydrogen production so i've got quite a list so i'm not going to shut up because it's transitional so we just keep going and going and going 
which of course is the very idea behind clean growth and sustainable development, that it keeps cities going. Unlike in the days of the Industrial Revolution, where Bradford's coal-powered textile mills would send their chemicals into local watercourses and toxic emissions straight into the air, the revolution of today is a green one. A revolution of low-carbon development that creates opportunities for future generations and grows the economy in a way that protects the planet and our environment. As a wise man, Thomas Edison, once said, good fortune is what comes when opportunity meets good planning. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and produced by me, Bernadette Ballantyne. My co-host and editor was Alex Conacher. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. Our strategic director for clean growth is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner WSP and to the City of Bradford Metropolitan District Council and Vital Culture UK. You can find us on all podcast apps, on social media and on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media.